You're listening to the Rob Review Podcast. Evan Rob and Laura Rob share their thoughts and opinions on teaching, learning, and leadership. And now, the Rob Review Podcast with Evan and Laura. This is Evan Rob, and I am joined today with Laura Rob. This is the Rob Review Podcast. Welcome, Laura. Well, it's a pleasure to be here. And again, Evan, we're going to talk about some of my favorite topics. Absolutely. Me too. The topic of this podcast is never ask students to do these things. I mean, we have a big list that I know we're going to share, but I also know that whenever we do podcasts, you'd like me to share one of my fabulous stories from my uh, amazing education when I was a youngster, uh, and I will do that now, and this has to do with things that we do not want to ask kids to do. So my little story, to be quick for our podcast, was when I was in seventh grade English class, we had to grade our papers while the teacher went over the answers, and I remember this really specifically this one time, because not only did we have to call our grades out in front of the entire class, but the way that several assessments were put together you could actually get a grade less than zero. And I remember proudly waving, uh, raising my hand and saying that I had a negative 30 on an assignment. Hold back laughing there, Laura. I know it's, you know, what I can assure you is uh, it was not a a mighty motivator for me. Um, It was rather embarrassing. And that's something that we could easily add to our list of things that you never, ever want to ask students to do. So, Laura, we've each uh, brainstormed a little bit here. Again, this is something that you and I talk about a lot when we're not being recorded. So I enjoy the opportunity to be able to share this with our viewers of the Rob Review Podcast. So let's begin with your number one thing, or maybe not your number one thing, because I know you have three and maybe not necessarily in any particular order, but what's the first thing you'd like to share? Okay, well, the first thing I'd like to talk about is never make a student read aloud if they don't want to. Um, And I want to talk a little bit about that, because in many classes, we still have popcorn and round-robin reading. Uh, We still have teachers asking students to read texts that they have never read before, or that maybe they can't read because it's way beyond their reading level. If a child says, I don't want to, listen to that child, and then think back and ask yourself, why am I doing this? And is this the best practice to advance children as readers and learners? If the answer is no, then don't do it just because you had to do it in school. When you force a child to read aloud, you're humiliating them. It is such a harmful way of treating a child, and it's something that they tend to remember all their lives. Just like you remembered that negative 30, uh, Evan, and caused me to hold back, um, a, you know, a laugh. Yeah, I am. Um, very, very good point. You, you know, I think, uh, I guess sometimes I struggle with how someone could spend sometimes in excess of $100,000 on a college education becoming a reading teacher, uh, and that's the best you got is to come in and have 25 kids read aloud in a classroom. Certainly not something that we would ever encourage to happen in classrooms. Laura, my, um, the one I want to share first is confusing school with real life. There, there are lots of times in school where teachers will give a, uh, an assignment and say that this assignment is to prepare you for the real world. There are times in school where teachers will uh, fail students because they want people to understand that in the real harsh, cold world, you have to experience a lot of failure. Uh, they like to give, at times, zeros um, because that happens in the real world. 
And, and of course, a lot of those things are not necessarily true. I mean, we've talked about grading before, but you and I both know that many of the most important assessments or tests that we take as adults, we can redo them, and we can redo them for full credit. Um, here's my quick example that, that I'll give. Now, this is something that I have seen happen, Laura. I know you've seen it too. So imagine a classroom of 25 kids, and there's one particular student who's really, really sharp, got the answers to every question, raising his hand all the time uh, to give an answer to the question. So sometimes a teacher might say, okay, I need you to not raise your hand so other people can have a choice to share their answer. But of course, that doesn't necessarily prepare people for the real world, because if you and I are running a company, and we're talking to our um, managers in the company, we want to talk to the person that's got the good answers. We don't want to say, hey, I don't want you to talk because I want to get some less than good answers so everyone can have a little share opportunity. So that is my first one that I'm, that I'm sharing. Well, I think, I think it's an excellent example. I think that we also have to stop this idea of thinking that, you know, in real life you get Fs and you can't redo things. Even in high school, you can retake the SAT, you can retake the ACT, and they take your top scores. So where all of these ideas are coming from, I think they come from uh, ideas that were passed down from generation to generation, they're almost becoming urban myths in my mind because there is no truth associated with them. No one is ever motivated by failure. I think we can move through um, that one, wrap that one up pretty quick. Fs are simply not motivators. Absolutely. Laura, the next one you'd like to share? Okay, is what you started out with, uh, grading one another's work. Uh, you know, when a teacher has students do this, it says a lot about the teacher to me. My questions are, why doesn't the teacher grade them? Because when you grade students' work and you read students' work, you are learning about that child as a learner, and you're learning ways to help them or possible topics for mini-lesson. Um, you're the teacher. You're getting paid to do that. It is not the student's job to evaluate a, um, a, a classmate's test or quiz. They do not have the wherewithal to do that, and it's putting them on the spot. And then, as you said, Evan, most of the teachers that do this, they tell the kids to call the grade out. Would you like to call out a D or an F? Or what about a negative 30? Or a negative 30? I can't think of anything less engaging or motivating. And then that teacher will complain that this ch child is lazy, this child doesn't want to work. I would never want to work if I had a string of Fs or negative grades. You know, Lauren, I think we'll clarify here for our listeners. You know, peer editing in, in, within a writing workshop can be a very positive thing, but peer editing is not necessarily putting a grade on another student's paper. Part of the problem with grading, and, and you certainly touched on this, is you know, it can lead to teasing, it can lead to you know, inappropriate sort of... Um, communications be between kids. If someone's continually getting the low grade, they could become uh, a joke to other kids. And, and that's not something that we want to have happen in school. Absolutely. We want to help each child feel good about themselves. And we know that if you have a positive relationship with a child and the child feels with, has that growth mindset that, yes, I can do it with hard work, that that child will make progress. But I don't think, I don't know of any child in all the years uh, I've been teaching and the thousands of children I've worked with who was motivated by a failure after failure after failure. And you're right with writing. Writing, it's the student isn't giving a grade. The student is using a rubric to help 
a partner improve the writing so that that child can get a better grade. Absolutely. Laura, let me move on to my number two. My number two is is pleasing you. Um, and that's kind of under the umbrella that uh, if a classroom is an overly compliant classroom, what does that exactly mean? Does that mean that creativity is stifled? Does that mean that the child who simply completes tasks um, as directed by the teacher, is that a positive thing? Is that the kind of pleasing uh, that an educator should want? Uh, and it's, it's, it's complicated. And I would ask those that are listening is you take a look in your schools and take a look at if you have any kind of recognition programs going on in your building um, for students to be recognized for any particular thing within the school. What type of kid is being recognized? You know, it, are, are teachers picking students that are um, very compliant um, and um, teacher pleasers? Uh, you know, I recognize I've taught before, you know, there's certainly um, that can make for a, a quieter classroom and, and maybe even a better mat and easily easier to manage classroom. But it's not necessarily the skill that we want to teach children. I mean, I don't think it's necessarily what we want as educators in terms of kids to please us by doing exactly what we want in a compliant based manner. Let me give you an example about uh, of that, because um, I, in my early years of teaching, I would receive classes that were very compliant. And I remember that we had an eighth grade unit where the children were all studying the different wars that they had uh, studied from fifth grade on up. And uh, all they wanted to do was like get the facts and please me. But I wanted them to think. I wanted to challenge them. So I came in one day and I said to them, okay, all war is good. All war can be justified. And nobody said anything. And finally, I looked at them and I said, aren't you going to challenge me? And they finally got going. And then the whole tone of the class changed. Laura, you know, we have a huge list, and our goal is to keep our podcast at around 10 minutes for our listeners. So we're probably going to do a part two of this podcast. Maybe we'll just wait and see what kind of feedback we get about it. Um, but to those of you that are listening to this, take some time and reflect on some of the things that, that we shared. Think about them in your world uh, and, and engage in some honest reflection as we all continue to do what's absolutely best for kids in public schools and private schools across America and certainly across the world. Laura, is there any final point that you'd like, like to share with our audience? Um, the only thing I'd like to say is if you feel a little discomfort or you watch your students and they look uncomfortable with what you're doing, start being reflective. Speak to the students, ask them. And there's nothing wrong with changing or saying, we're not going to do this anymore because it's not working for you as students and for me as a teacher. And Laura, isn't that an incredibly liberating thing just to be able to reflect on something and you say, you know what, I've done this for a long time. I grew up with this, but it simply does not work and it's time for a change. Laura, I'd like to thank you for spending some time with me for the Rob Review podcast. And we look forward to sharing more podcasts with you, with our viewing audience shortly. Thank you. This is Evan Rob for The Rob Review. We hope you enjoyed The Rob Review Podcast. Check out our blogs at therobreviewblog.com and tell a friend. Thanks again and see you next time.